Welcome to The Bridge. Fun conversations on culture, life, and everything in between. Hello, everyone, and welcome to The Bridge. We are a show that connects East and West. My name is Jason. I'm originally from California, but living here in beautiful Wuhan, China. And today with me is Alex. Hi, I'm Alex. I am originally from China, and I'm talking to you from Beijing, China. Find us where you get your podcasts. If you like the show, then consider pushing the like button or giving us five stars. Suggestions, comments, anything you would like to share, email us at welovethebridge at gmail.com. And you lived in the States, isn't that right? Five and a half years. So that makes you like an expert on American culture. Just just, just between <laughs> us, sure. <laughs> I mean, a PhD, you can be as short as four years. If you did five and a half years of on-the-site research, you know, maybe you know a thing or two about it, right? Just the sound of PhD is kind of gave me a, a shiver because I'm, I'm becoming like more and more scared of hearing about going back to school, which my parents actually asked me when they said, um, when they thought that my career was going nowhere, they were like, maybe you should start to rethink your life and uh, go back to school and get a PhD. This is really funny that you mentioned that because we have two friends of the show that we talk to regularly, you and Bebe, and Bebe. both of you are getting pressure from your parents to go get a PhD. My, my bargaining <laughs> chip was that if you ask me to go get a PhD, then it's going to take me longer to get married. Which one do you want first? Ooh, <laughs> that's clever. All right. Well, today we are going to be talking about family care values. So what your mom and dad are saying to you about your PhD is exactly the kind of stuff we're going to be talking about today. Again, as as little English as they speak, which is zero, I still have to be very careful because your parents have that weird sense of their this weird ability of understanding you without understanding your, your language. Mm. Well, you know, I find that a lot of Chinese people who don't speak English understand a lot of English. I think it's because of Hollywood. There's a, like a lot of successful movies that people watch with Chinese subtitles. And because of that, they end up kind of like, oh, yeah, I kind of know what you're talking about. I think this is a funny thing. Like my boyfriend, who's American, he's lived here for three years and he doesn't have a big vocabulary, which means he doesn't really speak Chinese at all. <laughs> but he's able to sort of just follow the flow of our conversation. And there's absolutely no English word involved in that and then when we all laugh he laughs at the same time it's not like he's following us but he just kind of gets it and then he, mm. he nods and shakes his head as if he understands and it's just kind of it's funny it's funny I, I think that's something people i don't know it's a shared ability that's i'm sure one day going to connect us beyond the barrier of language and everything else in, in language learning they have this phrase it's called reception before production i think that's what it is and so it's basically people have a tendency of understanding things before they can even formulate it so like yeah you get an you get an idea of these series of sounds have this kind of meaning to them and then like it takes you a long time to understand how to make those series of yeah. sounds yourself but you kind of get like a, a gist so i'm just saying if your mom or dad took a stab at listening to the show maybe they'd get it i would not advise that i would <laughs> no thank you <laughs> well you know so we're talking about aging and family care values i kind of wanted to talk about living together uh, to start us out. And I wanted to start in the States. So like when I was growing up, actually, no, when I turned 18 or 19, I don't remember exactly when it was. My mom was like, okay, bye, Jason. You know, like they were they're like, it's time for you to go out into the world and make your way. And so like I did, I moved out and I moved in with a friend. It was good because I moved to a place where there was a university and I 
my life really got started and it was like really, really good for me. And But you know, like that's not really how it's done today in America. Yeah. You know, like now it's like, oh, there's a lot of financial hurdles. The way inflation goes above the wages rising, increasingly the younger generation have less and less money than their predecessors did, than my parents did, certainly when they were young. So like moving out is hard, really, really <laughs> hard, you know. The cost of living is going up and the, the real wages yeah. are going down against inflation. And so and now, especially with the pandemic on top of that, I was just about to say people are living with mom and dad into their like 20s, maybe 30s, or people are moving back in their 30s or families are trying to find ways to live with more me yeah. members of the family together. And so now like the idea of, quote, living in mom's basement, which is kind of like a, oh, ho, ha, 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 you live with your mom kind of thing is actually just becoming normal life in America. People, families are starting to live together cross generationally it's no longer oh you're 18 get out it's now it's like okay you know why don't you stay here and contribute to this unit of family and save your money so that maybe you do buy a house someday or you can get married someday or whatever instead of just moving out and throwing your money away on rent weird enough just hearing this i, I wonder i can't help but wonder is the world getting you know is it being more and more difficult for people to survive that's why the parents are are like stay with us until you can make it yourself like we're gonna spare you the struggle because you already have enough <laughs> mm, <laughs> that's kind mm. of the it almost makes me feel like a little you know uh, a little doomsday kind of feeling <laughs> <laughs> oh i don't i don't think i i don't certainly didn't mean Sorry, it my way. thoughts just spiraled all the way down there like in, in two seconds apocalypse I apocalypse <laughs> i know you know i mean it also makes sense like instead of going away to like a really good like name university maybe just going to state because this like if you're in like a lot of states in the united states there are state universities that are relatively close to wherever you're living so if you're like in a rural area you could drive 30 minutes and be a a university, you know, like a lot of people are probably going to be opting in for this and going to the local CSU instead of going away to Stanford or something might become a more entertainable option because, you know, after all, a college degree is a college degree. You don't need a name as long as you're good at your job in the future. Yeah. And now that everything is, mm, again, because of the pandemic and also meta, who knows, like everything is, <laughs> you know, everything's remote. People have more opportunities to explore. They're breaking a lot of boundaries that usually traditionally bind people. Mm, mm, you know, mm. you can start basically trying to start a company when you're still in school, then it doesn't really matter mm -hmm, what school mm -hmm. you go to, you know, like, which, yeah. which school did Elon Musk go to? I don't even know. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I think he went to university in Canada or something. Actually, I have no idea. I know he used to shovel coal into like a uh, a heater, like a furnace in, in Canada. Um, but, you know, Bill Gates dropped out of college and Steve Jobs dropped out of college. So, like, uh, there's a lot of precedent for like, hey, if you're successful, you're successful. You don't need to use the name of your university to be successful Having a college degree, sure, you know, that's kind of standard for anyone who's going into like a lot of kind of careers, but it doesn't matter which one necessarily. Yeah, like which school did Jack Mako to? No idea. I don't know. No. But also there's something funny that I want to share. And if you haven't seen that video, uh, that picture, you should see it. Like Elon, speaking of Elon Musk, who recently tweeted uh, and said, maybe I'm partly Chinese because someone. Oh, yeah, I saw the did picture. You see that? I, I, I thought that was really him. I was like looking at the ears and I was looking at the, the other eyes, the nose, the cheeks, like the, the little dimples in the cheeks. It's the, exactly the same. It was I thought, no, this has got to be Elon Musk. And he's pretending to like be some like guy. In China. I know. I, I studied the photo a little bit and looked really closely. I was like, OK, it's he's looking really like Elon Musk because of the angle and the lighting in that photo. But still, it's it's crazy. It's I'm 
resemblance. If you it haven't, is. yeah, if you're listening to us and you haven't seen that photo, I strongly suggest you go Google Elon Musk Chinese and you'll see that photo. It, it's, it's really you should hire him. That's a call. I, I was thinking Elon Musk should hire him and get him like a voice. That's uh, the buddy double. Get a voice. No, not even just get a voice like a therapist to help him develop the right mannerisms and like vo- vocal ability, and then uh-huh. just have him give speeches in China for him. <laughs> I know. And then Chinese people will be like, oh, you really understand our culture, <laughs> which kind of actually is because you hired that person. That's uh, <laughs> that's crazy. Don't lie to your customers. Mm-hmm. But, <laughs> but you know, Elon Musk has a sense of humor. Have you seen his Twitter? So maybe he could have this guy go out, wave on stage, and then the real Elon Musk could come out and wave on stage. And it was like, which one of, oh, no, and there's like two of us. And then they have like a fight or something. <laughs> I- <laughs> Your imagination's going oh, sorry. too wild. It could be so much. I'm, I'm totally going to go on Twitter now and tell Elon our plan or my plan. You should uh, you should start a thread of all the imagined sceneries of, uh, you know. He loves he loves sci-fi. He could be like, he could pretend to murder his doppelganger or whatever. <gasps> and like, and be like, I'm the winner or something. Is it really me? He'll love know. that idea. And if he puts money into this, then we're all set. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you could... I'll tell you where you can find me. Reach out to me on, on my social media, Mr. Musk. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to go by first name, Elon. Uh, we're here with ideas, so feel free to contact us. Nope. Yes, I, I agree, Mr. Musk. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that's uh, that's just, uh, you know, the how did we even get here? Oh, yeah, that's, we're talking about like great entrepreneurs not having certain college degrees. I, I'm going to go a strange direction. We usually don't go traditional, like ancient Chinese culture stuff. We usually stay really modern. But I want to talk about Confucius for a second. You know, Ooh. yeah. So Confucius wrote a lot of literature uh, books during his time and his followers did too. And like Monxius and all this other, all these other people. And it's a lot of, it's about respecting your family and doing the, doing right by your family. And a lot of Chinese values seem to come from this entire literary movement surrounding Confucius about having respect for your elders, having respect for your parents and being like a dutiful son and daughter. Yeah. And that trickles down. So you have a lot of like, uh, rituals that are still done today rich by rituals i just mean like behavioral patterns for example you get married there's a tea ceremony where you the couple serves yes. the parents tea and that is like a, a very important thing i've also heard about kowtowing for a red envelope so you literally <laughs> bowing to your mom or dad to get like cash at your wedding no, well not just at your wedding but like on chinese new year oh yeah yeah yeah. on chinese new year well i don't know i did that for my grandpa you know rest in peace i did that only once but my younger cousins who lived with him uh who lived really close to him they would do that every year <laughs> they would just go in and they would compete kids would compete to go like it was let me go first let me go first and they try to just go on that giant clay bed uh in the you know in rural china and they would go onto it and they would kneel and kowtow and be like hmm. and then live a long prosper life and all of these you know words of blessings and then the grandpa get really grandpa would get really happy and just give him a home but of course he pre pre he pre wrap all of the red lem- envelopes with money mm-hmm, so it's mm-hmm. not like if you kowtow harder you get more money <laughs> <laughs> no he's got two he on, on the left side <laughs> under him stack? he's got the big stacks and on the right side yeah which stack? oh he goes from this side okay as a as american looking in on this these customs i think it's beautiful i think it's very like you know very interesting and very different from my own culture like for my parents, it's like being respectful means listening to their advice or like, you know, from dad, the most you're going to get in my family was like a nod and like, wow, OK, good. You know, something you know, just like you know, the the nod wink. OK, you did well, son. But like in Chinese culture, it's very it's very formalized having these really 
you know, um, very formal ways of showing respect for your your parents and for your grandparents in different scenarios and things. Yeah, it seems, I still ahead. have friends who uh, whose family go by the rules of uh, elderlies eat first, not not in a way like elders mm-hmm, eat mm-hmm. and then then younger people eat, but it means like when you go at dinner table, when you sit at dinner table, you let the you let the elder fam- uh, family members take the first pick. Like they would pick up their chopsticks first and you know put some dish in their bowl, hmm. and then everybody else could eat. Like some of the family still, some of the friends still follow that at home. I mean, I think that is still tr- true of some. Like already, obviously, you order pizza, people are just going to start eating pizza. Yeah. But if you're sitting down at a family event like Thanksgiving, for example, and, and you're eating, it might be that like dad or grandpa or something says grace, and then when it's finished, it's like okay, yeah. So there. There's still some formality, some tradition there. It's but it's not really heavily directed up in the same way that it is in China. For example, people uh, when they cheer, they cheer in the glass that clinks. If someone's older than you, you would <laughs> clink at a slightly lower yeah, in a formal situation, you know, yeah. to show respect for the person who is older than you. And that doesn't exist in America. In I we, we always play this game with our uh, expat friends who live in, in, in Beijing because they learn about it and they're like, all right, basically, regardless of the age if you want to show respect if you're having say business dinner with your investors your partners and you want to show that you really respect them then you lower your glass as well so our friends and i and us we would just try to toast each other and compete who goods goes lower who goes lower and lower and so at, at, at one point one apart one of the people would definitely end up lying down on the floor <laughs> we're being a little silly but it's, i've done that too it's real it's a lot of fun yeah, i've done that yeah, my, my wife's uncle invites us out sometimes for like formal dining. And we meet a lot of people through him that are like really interesting professions and stuff. And I've done that where I knew the person they're toasting with me was younger and that they knew the rule. Mm-hmm. And so I start going down, they start going down. We end up like really, really low. I'm not actually on the floor, but I, you know, it's, it is a lot of fun. Actually, these, these like, uh, a lot of these traditions become really like, sources of social interaction which are fun in and of, of themselves yeah my thinking behind all of this is that sometimes we give our like we give um when we're guests at other people's houses we give the hosts more respect than we do mm, mm. uh to our uh, elders mm. so you know doesn't hurt to do the same at yeah least. if you go in america some traditions are like if you go to someone's house you bring like a bottle of wine or like a cake or something you know so you have that uh too in china yes or not no? really I it's that's the thing like if we're really good friends in China if I'm inviting you over you kind of just come over you know and if I want to cook I cook if we don't we do something but I I learned that in the states at least that you always go to someone's house with something even if it's just like a bottle of wine or some chips like you don't go empty-handed and I've actually come to really appreciate that even with my Pretty much if it's not my um, family, I would just go always come in with some sort of snacks or whatever little gifts that I think I could give them because it's it's just a way of showing appreciation. And I think uh, th- I think a lot of young people are doing that as well. I have friends who don't do that. And it's just it, it bugs me. a little <laughs> bit. Well, you know, I think it's if you're really close, you just show up, you know, like in the TV show Seinfeld. Yeah. Or what's his the, what's his neighbor's name? The wild guy. Kramer Kramer just walks, slides in and starts eating his food out of his kitchen and stuff. I feel like if you know someone really well, you know, you kind of do not just keep bringing a bottle of wine to their house. I feel feel like that's kind of more like you're friends enough 
so that you should show respect. But if you were more friends than that, you could just be like, hey, what's going on? I'm here. Yeah. So I don't know. It's kind of like a it's hard to know the balance, I guess, as an outsider, maybe. Yeah. I felt like Chinese people don't have as many social rituals than they do with family, mm, mm, mm. which, you know, it's not a necessarily good or bad thing like i personally i <laughs> i love rituals like i love when if you're not super close and they're kind enough to invite you to their house mm-hmm. bring some gifts come mm. on let's be <laughs> let's be civilized <laughs> and bring gifts but we definitely have more not requirements but things that you just innately know that you're supposed to do when you're visiting families or you're like like we talked about before visiting your your uh life partner or significant others families they're just things you need to do to show respect to the elderly and that speaks a lot to the kind of person you are. Well, maybe you can help me, Alex, because, you know, I go to my in-laws, my my wife's family's home <laughs> sometimes, and I'm always like the person who doesn't do anything. And this, I always ask, <laughs> "Am I? can I help clean the dishes? And they're like, no, you're not allowed to help clean the dishes. You're so-and-so in relative. Rel- okay, can I go do that? No, you can't. So basically, I end up sitting on the sofa while everyone serves me, and I feel awful okay. as a consequence of it. I have, okay, I have never had an in-law before. I've never been married, but I think I have a little bit of a set of strategies so Thank you. When, when it comes to in-laws and their expectations of their you know their son-in-law or, or daughter-in-law there are basically three routes that you could go with one is the one that you tried which is to help with the house chores right there are some people that are naturally why am i so well versed in this um <laughs> there are some people who are just naturally more diligent more hardworking. they enjoy doing house chores and the in-laws are comfortable with them and the key to doing that is that if the in-laws still look at you as someone that they want to make uh, feel like they're a guest of the house that's when they won't allow you to do house chores at that point you just need to you just need to insist you just need to be super an- oh. annoyingly persistent be like let me do it let me do it please okay. come on mom let me do it they will eventually give in and then but you got to be prepared for the fact that you're going to be doing the dishes from now on um every time you go but that's that's route number one route number two is if that doesn't work then you have another option of bringing gifts mm-hmm. you know um uh nutrition uh the, not the tablets but whatever gifts you could bring to your in-laws oh, i know what you mean for, for the chinese new year yeah we always come with like the two luggage cases full of like nuts and the just candies and breads and mm-hmm. yeah yeah. Right. And then like even if you're doing, oh, I guess can do regular visits, but like during, you know, outside of the holidays, you could just order a little scarf. It's like, mom, I saw this this scarf that's really pretty. You know, I just sent it to you because I thought of you. And they would be like, oh, my God, this person is so, you know, they'll start to think that you're a part of the family and they'll start let you wash the dishes. And then the third one. So the second route is give the third gift. Uh, the third route is the activity route, which means you go there and they won't let you wash dishes or they they, they they don't expect gifts or whatever then you can just be like mom do you want to play mahjong i just learned how to play mahjong or mom do you want to go dance the in the square i'll go dance with you in the square or like mom i want to take you to try something new you can come and try this with me um i guess that's from what i imagined i think those three sets of strategies will probably help you you know get along very well with your in-laws <laughs> All right, so I wanted to talk a little bit about my stereotype again. So the the, <laughs> the ABC, at least, and maybe it's not the same. So 
In America, it seems like to me, based on my limited experience, that a lot of families live, you know, many generations together. Mm. And I was wondering, is that true in China sometime? Mm, not so much in recent years, because a lot of people moved uh, cities and people mm, are mm, migrating mm. a lot more. So it's harder for families to live under the same roof with like three or four generations together. Mm, mm. Uh, people live with their parents probably uh, more than they do with their grandparents. Because mm -hmm. the parents have to, like we talked about before, they have to help. They want to help take care of their kids and their kids' kids. So mm. that's more that's more common. You know, in America for retirement, and I, we've talked about this on the show before, like a lot of time it's grandma retires, they move to a retirement home, which I think is really strange. Like, because, you know, I imagine that it would be pretty easy to take care of an older, infirm person to some extent. They really just need shelter and someone to care for care, care for them. Yeah. So, like, you know, I'm planning on staying in China forever. Uh -huh. For whatever reason, my mom, I'm sorry, my wife's grandma, which is her, is her dad's mom, mm -hmm. wanted to move in with us. She would be welcome to do so. We, we tried to do it before, but she was like, no, I want to take care of myself. So it's like, okay, sure. Yeah, the nice. whole retirement home thing went through a kind of a change as well in China. I remember when I first heard of it, like if you are going to send, this was, I think, 15, 20 years ago, like if someone were to send their parents to a retirement home, like mm -hmm. a senior home, people would look at them and, and think like, you are crazy. Like <laughs> your parents raised you for a whole life. And when they're older, you're just going to send them to this place where you don't have to visit them anymore. So um, are you, are you saying there are not home, retirement homes in China or there, there just, are. there are very few of them? In the beginning, it wasn't as a popular of an idea, but now I hmm. think a lot of it's now it's the game kind of flipped it's the parents or the grandparents who would want to go to uh retirement homes because they know that their kids are busy like if they live with their kids you know mm. they won't really have too much to do and in retirement homes at least they have their friends who are the same age they have their peers and they could do all kinds of uh you know activities although um recently there has been a, a trend of encouraging people to like move back in with their parents or, or live with their parents again because it's it's easier for the kids to uh take care of their parents but i don't i don't know how i don't know how fast that could become a reality or how much the parents are willing to really you know after their grandchildren grow up i don't know how much the parents would still want to spend time with 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 the parents mm -hmm, you know mm -hmm. that's that sounds weird the grandparents would like to spend time with the parents well retirement in america is such a huge deal that a lot of people joke that the state of florida is basically a giant retirement home yeah I don't think that's true, but there are a lot of retirees that go to Florida. I mean, why wouldn't they? You're okay. It's time to retire. You move to the beach area. You can go sit under like a, a what is it? What are those things called? A giant umbrella, you know, like and watch yeah. watch the beach. It's, it sounds very lovely. And Americans have a big a big affinity for the beach. Is there a place in China where like lots of retirees uh, go? Not yet. Most people stay where they are. A, like the city that they were born in mm, mm, or, or where their children are living. There hasn't, I, not that I'm aware of, I haven't heard any city that uh, that has become a destination of retired people moving into, except for actually uh, Sanya or Hainan province might have become something like that in recent years. Mm. We actually have family relatives who moved there after they both retired. And then the, the husband had, uh, you know, uh, pretty bad asthma. And other health problems. So they, they chose, they were like, we want to move to some place that's warm all year round mm, and it's mm, humid mm, all the time mm. and it's good for his health. And 
they moved there with some of their coworkers from before. So they're all like in their early 60s and they just all moved down there. But Chinese, I felt like, I felt like most Chinese people still have a pretty strong uh, sense of belonging to the city that they, they grew up in or the city that they worked the longest in. So they would have wanted to just move to a different city just because they retired. Right. Also the fact that they're, if their family may be more accessible in that city. Yeah. But you, yeah, you mentioned a lot of people migrated over the last couple of decades to mm-hmm. the city to work there. And they left to so a lot of parents that are living in second, third tier cities instead of like Beijing, Shanghai, the, you know, these what we call first tier cities. So do people who migrate to these cities, is there a trend for them to move back to their hometown when they become successful and are able to maybe move back with a lot of clout and they've got success? This actually ties back to, we talked about, the younger Chinese people laying flat in one of our other episodes. And this kind of mm-hmm. circles yeah. back to that trend. There are actually a lot more young people that are moving back to the smaller cities. Cause before, I mean, right after open reform, this idea of making it in the big cities were almost kind of like the, you know, in the seventies, when people were talking about the American dream, you feel like that's the only place that you could make it happen. And so a lot of people from, you know, post open reform uh, all the way until maybe, you know, five, six years ago, people were still trying to rush to big cities. And then you realize that, you know, because the kind of the overall economy in China is going up and what you could get in the big city, you could probably get it in the smaller city that you come from. But minus this crazy traffic and, you know, enormous population. So a lot of young people started to move back to where their hometown is, where they grow up and, you know, become an entrepreneur and make it there. So that's absolutely a trend. You know, I'd be interested to look at the statistics right now for how migration is working inside the United States, because you mentioned meta, but like with that, well, that's not really realized (laughs) We do have things like Blue Jeans and Zoom and like all these other platforms for working remotely. And I have seen some articles in like American media where people are increasingly moving to smaller towns. So they're leaving like places like San Francisco, Los Angeles, New York, Pittsburgh, whatever. They're moving out into like, I guess, you know, smaller towns and stuff. And there's actually and this is one of the reasons that yeah. there's a labor like a misalignment what people don't understand is it's not entirely just because a lot of people went into early retirement or people are unwilling to work for low wages but there's like a mismatch of capabilities and needs so like people are now moving to small towns that are really beautiful and quaint places to live that are successful they're working remotely and then they want services like restaurants and Starbucks and things and in those small towns there's not enough mm-hmm. youth to provide the kinds of services that are required to facilitate the new migrants. And so there's a lot of people who migrated because of the pandemic to work in new places because they can work remotely. But then there are not there's not the capability to provide the services that are required for the new migration patterns that have developed. And so there's a mismatch of where people are able to provide labor and not able to provide labor. Yeah, I I do think that's going to that's going to change because of the pandemic. Because last year I read that in Ireland, it, this is some, you know, rural area in, in Ireland where it's really uh, exclusive and there's not that, not that much going around. And they started this program of accepting people who want to work remotely and they want to have, you know, a closer touch with nature. They could all go in there. It's basically a community where they provide you with the Wi-Fi, the, you know, mm, any resource mm. you need to work remotely. And, um, you, you just go there and you stay there and imagine that there's going to be more hubs like that popping up around the world and 
where, you know, you don't really need to live a city life or like, for example, my hometown in the northeast part of China, it's losing a lot of its young people because mm. it used to be known for being the industry base. Yeah, manufacturing. Manufacturing, huh? you know, iron, steel making, automobile, uh, you know, manufacturing, a lot of that. And then all of that kind of, you know, moved to other places or that that industry is still is no longer the pillar of the economy of the region. So it, it's it was it's started to get really hard to keep the young people there. I imagine like the only way to bring young people back is to make sure there's some other sort of economy or industry that is booming. You, you provide some favorable policies for them to live there, you know, and really let them enjoy the cold weather like Jason does <laughs> instead of hating it, thinking that it's an, it's, it's an uninhabitable and uh, you bring the young people back. And I think that's going to work. Well, I think it's important because the Chinese government has specific agricultural plans that people are still living in first, second, third, and fourth tier cities. But what I think I understand is that there's a not a desire that people continue to live deep in the countryside because large scale like um, mega farms are not a possibility when there's like a lot of small landowners scattered throughout the countryside. And so I know that the government in China, at least, wants to a lot of wants people to migrate to cities. They don't have to migrate to like Beijing and Shanghai, but they can migrate to other like, you know, cities throughout the throughout China so that the agriculture can be reinvented a little bit and have like larger scale, more automated, more efficient kinds of farming. And so I think a lot of states and small towns are offering like incentives to move there. Like if you move to some cities, they will actually pay you to move there now or like give you tax incentives and stuff because they want people to come work there remotely. Mm. And so, again, you're right. I think that, you know, it will correct itself over time, but there's still a mismatch. So, OK, suddenly you your town was 10,000 people. This is an American town, obviously. <laughs> your, your, your town was 10,000 people and you just have like 500 new entre young entrepreneurs move in. <laughs> <laughs> now, obviously, you're going to need more staff at the grocery yeah. store. Now, do you do you have a bunch of people who want to be like, you know, bag people's groceries suddenly because you have an uptake uptick in t the total population? And so who's going to do that? I and know. So it's obviously not going to be the entrepreneurs. <laughs> They're going there, there to work for like city jobs on Zoom from their new newly purchased homes in that like that town. I but, guess that's a connect conundrum that they have to figure out. You know. I think we're going through, yeah, a lot of change. I think that's why, you know, wages are such that they are in America. It's like wages are kind of rising or like benefits are rising because a lot of companies are trying to incentivize people to do work in places that didn't previously have as much work. And so that's draining like, OK, so there's a Wendy's here and it may be not in a new place or it may not have the need that, you know, for that it did. But someone else took their workers because some other town is now like has a bunch of entrepreneurs living there and it's it's creating some friction a little bit of friction which is actually good because maybe it'll raise wages in the united states where they've been stagnant for decades sounds like gentrification reenacted <laughs> <laughs> or almost reversed because a lot of the places in like big cities have been traditionally owned by like some ethnic groups like the mission yeah in, in san francisco is used to largely be people of latin origin that's what the mission was it was like a lot of people from latin america and we're living in the mission and then all these well-to-do folks moved in and started buying up the community. Now those people, those like tech folks don't need to 
live there. They can go back to wherever they originally came from. Oh, that's why there's a restaurant in, in Beijing, a chain restaurant that's kind of like Chinese Chipotle that's called The Mission. I guess that's oh, why. Maybe, maybe. Mm, but yeah, I mean, this this kind of thing. I do think that this is a, I, I don't know if it's a super romanticized version of living in the rural side or having a short, longer stay there. But a lot of people start to take like family breaks in um like rural area. They rent a, a farmer's house and they live there for like a week or or even a month just taking their family like you said taking them off the grid and mm, mm. you know have a, a digital detoxing and that kind of creates a different sense of family for people who are very much very much used to cities for me because my parents i i think i've mentioned this before my my mom's family live in the same village mm. together my mom is the only person who who kind of left the, the the area and moved to a bigger city so we would try to go back and visit but everybody else lived in the same uh lives in the same village so that sense of feeling of like oh i could go to my brother's house just it's, it's like two minutes walk away and and whenever i have something in my backyard i could bring it over to your house that's kind of a, a different feeling that I think a lot of young people who grew hmm. up in cities hmm. don't understand nowadays. You're talking about extended family, and I'm wondering about that because in China, there's a thing where family really takes care of each other. Like if one member of a family, like a mom or a kid or a grandma or whatever, they all seem to come together and rally around the person. But I'm wondering how that works for like extended family. So like uncles and cousins and things like that. Yep. To what degree in like China are these really a member of the core family? Are they, st is it all just family? Kind of like basically as long as you're, oh, this touches on the, the, the term, uh, cousin, uh, cause it has a very different meaning in China than it does in the, mm. in the States. As long as you're within cousin, uh, range of a family member, like if you're, you know, cousins then you're still because at least for our generation we don't have siblings so our cousins are pretty much like our siblings mm. if we need any help or whatever it really comes to the day where someone needs to help take care of us in in the hospital when we're unconscious or whatever like the cousins will probably step up and then the the mm. our uncles or aunts will probably do that too because that's a very that's a very close-knit layer of the family outside of that if it's like what you guys would say like second cousin or third cousin which i don't actually know <laughs> what counts as second cousin i've been told different definitions of what it is but if you're for example um if you're my uncle's kid's cousin on her mom's side then that's like too far <laughs> like that that basically doesn't count i know what you I, mean because yeah. my wife she used to say my sister this and my sister that and i was like you don't have a sister and she's like, oh, I'm like, yes, no, I do. My, yeah, my, my sister. No, she would never say that. She would never like redefine it as cousin. She no, 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 my sister. You know, yep. My my mom's sister's daughter. That's There's my sister. And I'm like that's yeah, that's not sister. Yeah, that's cousin. And she's like, no, she's my sister. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, whatever. <laughs> yeah, and then cousin for us are only people that are of our generation. Mm. That's cousin. Mm. Like if you're if you're my dad's generation, my mom's generation, or my kid's generation, you're not cousin. But apparently that is cousin in the states. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it depends. I mean, yes, like, I you could have cousins who are like twenty years older than you potentially. From what I understood is because this was like I was super confused when people are like, oh, this is my cousin. This cousin that i'm like is it true that if you are if you are not siblings and then you're i don't know anymore like i thought because i then i realized you still have uh uncles and aunties 
And then cousins are what? Like your It's your uncle or or aunt's uh son or daughter and it can also be people they married so they could be like cousin-in-laws I guess and it could also be your grandmother's brother's son's son or daughter's daughter or something like that or son's daughter and that could be a second or even third cousin depending on how you define it. So like you can end up with tons of cousins. You could get like all second cousin twice removed. There's all kinds of rules, right? About how? Uh, I, yeah, I, I was just like this. This whole numerating cousin thing is not going to work out. For me. <laughs> yeah, it's too complicated because there's so many different ways you can connect the dots. Yeah. But I think you know a lot. A lot of the time, it's just like discursive. So, and it's the semantics of the, that particular family. So they just be like, "This is my cousin." Yeah. If they choose to say, "This is my second cousin," they can. I, I think it only matters in terms of like uh, like ancient marriage rituals where like you can't marry your cousin or something like which no I don't think any reasonable people even fathom today. <laughs> I know it's a third uh, a third cousin I think like within that range. Is not well, no, 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 it's, it's different cultures. I'm not I, I'm not sure if I should say the culture because I don't want to call any particular culture out for this. Yeah, but I can think of because I have a master's degree in history a culture that you can marry your first cousin. But only in one generation. Then you can't do it again for three more generations. <laughs> um, who's going to track that? <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, if you've got Google, you can look that up. But, you know, like there are different rules to maintain ge- genetic health. So like it depends on like different cultures have different rules to maintain that. Yeah. But generally, yeah, it's not a good idea to marry relatives. <laughs> Don't do it. Don't get fooled by uh, what's that show? My God, I there's can't a show called show. My God. What uh, I don't remember the show. I can't wow. remember the dragon, the dragon mother. What's that show? I'm not sure what dragon. I don't watch TV. I watch movies. So I'm ooh, not really sure. Game of Thrones. There we go. Game of Thrones. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> oh, dragons. Right. I did watch that show, so I, t- I retract it. But everybody watched that show, so I have. I to. know I didn't finish it, but don't don't get fooled by the ending. No spoilers. I'm not going to say anything. More than that, just in case anyone hasn't, someone hasn't. What you mean when they realize that they're actually living in an AI machine and they they wake up and, and, it's, <laughs> and it's all been a video game the whole time? <laughs> oh, that's a great idea. Have, that would have been a better ending. <laughs> I would have, but if you watched the ending, you would know what I was referring to. <laughs> So, okay, we were talking about family respect in addition to just like who's going to care for who. So I wanted to we've talked about these individually a little bit, but I want to put them all together. So during Chinese New Year, like people, they gather at their family's house and they generally gather at, I guess, on the first day, the father's house. And then the second day, the the, the mother's house. I'm not okay. a little confused. Ah, so, okay, so (laughs) there's uh, I think, yeah, we talked about this uh in, a, in another episode about Chinese New Year. Mm. But the second day is usually like we call it the new wife. If you had just got married before Chinese New Year, then the second day is when you take your uh, husband back to your mom's house. And that's when like the mom's house kind of officially accepts and invite the new son-in-law into their family. I mean, that's part of it. But I want to describe how it's been going down in my personal family, my Chinese family. So every each Chinese New Year, for the day before Chinese New Year, we go to my wife's mom and dad's house. And usually dad's mom is there. And then the next day, we all get in a car and we drive around to dad's <laughs> family members' homes. And each home mm-hmm. we go into, we give a small gift or something. 
and we sit down and like just talk for like an hour and then it's time to go to the next family and the next day we get in a car and we drive around her hometown and we go to all of her mom's family's relatives homes mm. and so we spend an hour in this home and an hour in that home and an hour in this home and so we do this like tour of the town for two days going to visit each of her mom and dad's like relatives like and so we we end up going to all the i meet people every single time i've never met before <laughs> and sometimes because there's always some like cousin i didn't know and they're yes. like oh we're, we're here this year we weren't here last year and so yeah it's hard to keep tabs but they all know okay it's the giant overweight like foreigner guy <laughs> <laughs> because i'm like the one that sticks out like a sore thumb so, la wai, la wai. <laughs> <laughs> yeah I've, ha- I've had that i went to grandma's house when when you're deep in the countryside and everyone was like whoa look it's a real foreigner <laughs> <laughs> it's not he's not on tv he's right in front of yeah. us <laughs> it's a little different in our family i don't know because it's your it sounds like your wife's family is uh in the in the city mm. so for my both actually but on both of my mom and dad's side and and this is mostly true for a lot of chinese families like the kind of the center or the pillar is the grandparents the we call it the mountain mm. the the old people of our of your household wherever that person is you kind of just go to him like so mm, mm, every mm. chinese new year we spent at our grandpa's house and they all of my uncles and my aunts would come over so like at the time with most people we've had uh 36 people in the same house just you know wow so yeah it's a lot of people and then all of these other relatives who live in the same village or they they live in you know the next village the village next door they would just come over and say happy new year to my grandpa um, and then within our family, what we do is that my uncles would take turns hosting dinners or lunch. Mm, so mm. it's like a, a lunch, it's like a feast at lunch at the second uncle's house and then and a feast dinner at third uncle's house. And then next day is fourth uncle, fifth uncle, sixth uncle. Like it's just like feasts all around. And then that's when the whole family would just move as a group to that uncle's house or that aunt's house and have that huge dinner huge meal outside of that when we're waiting at home or whatever it's just other people coming to to visit so it's like we're not the only uh mobile unit of the of the family it's like the whole family's kind of together moving hmm, to different houses. interesting wow so okay during this it's typically you're showing respect for the older people and giving out money from the older people to the younger people yes that's that's the most uh that's the most expected part of the whole thing and you said you can technically still get this up until marriage but isn't this more for like children up to like teenager years wouldn't that be more like am i am i, am I wrong you're not wrong but i'm also going to insist on getting money before i get married <laughs> and then when when i do get married i'll still try to ask for money for different excuses <laughs> if i have kids <laughs> i'll just take my kids money like my mom did when i was a kid <laughs> So, you know, we we also recently talked about marriage and we talked about, you know, a couple is obviously not going to just not get married because maybe they didn't get approval. But, you know, typically that goes goes on. I I was wondering what other kind of lifestyle choices or like uh, things that parents or grandparents might want to have a say in. Oh, God. Um, (laughs) Your profession. Your profession. Um, Wow. Okay. uh, I'll list some, I'll list out some things and you can pick the, the, the ones that are most, uh, interesting to you and we can discuss them (laughs) in further detail. So your profession for sure, biggest thing. And then of course, people you date that we mentioned, 
the house you pick to live in, which way it faces and the shape of it. What? <laughs> Hold on. Okay, okay. Sorry, sorry, sorry. There's more. The friends you keep uh-huh. and then the lifestyle you have. Wow. Okay. So I think you're going to have to do the comparison because I don't know enough about Chinese culture and you obviously lived in America. But like, you know, some of yep. those things you could say that's true in America. I wouldn't say the household you live in and the de- the direction that that sounds like <laughs> totally not like anything I've ever heard. But I mean, if lifestyle, sure, like we don't want you to be an alcoholic, maybe. So like, you know, get put the bottle bottle down yep. in extreme examples. Yeah. An American family is going to be like, that's not good. Typically, like an American family, you know, American, when I say an American family, I need to be careful because there are a lot of immigrants from like India and from China where it's like the parents do expect them to become a doctor or a lawyer or something. And so, in fact, in America, there are a lot of families who do have a lot of like feeling about what their kids should be doing. But, you know, after the third or fourth generation of living in America, not so much more. It's like, okay, just do what makes you happy. That seems to be like a more of American kind of cultural cultural value but right i I would like to hear more about this house which direction it's (laughs) facing thing so it has a lot to do with the whole Mm. feng shui culture of of, uh uh, you know of choosing a house to live in and how to build your house so traditionally most houses are built facing south because that's how you get the most sunlight Mm, mm, right mm. and then it's just like if you think about it the the entire forbidden city is south facing the rooms that are not south facing was were not meant for the master search for the more uh high class people to live in like you you'll naturally have a little more problems because there will be probably a little bit more moist and you know it's a little bit colder or Things like that. So that kind of carried, that got, you know, carried down to generations, at least until like my parents' generation. I personally don't have a problem with, you know, if the house has five corners or six corners, it has more turns or whatever. If, you know, that's my living room and it's sort of like a a semicircle kind of thing, I'm okay with it. But my parents are like, no, that's not, no, that's not good. Um, We need a house that's more of a square, you know, (laughs) and then it needs to have windows on both sides. So you could have a, you've got, you could have natural ventilation and airflow if you open both windows so they're very fixed on that they want to make sure that the house i live in but i also get it from a modern perspective if your house is more is more square it's a regular shape that you get more square footage out of the the you know the the number that they say on your on your uh ownership certificate because it doesn't waste any space but they do actually my parents at least really when i was renting apartments they're like no you shouldn't look at you shouldn't even go look at that place because that place looks like a (laughs) that place looks like a cleaver i'm like oh god what so you mentioned i mean the friends you keep so like people who are like alcoholics or like what kind of what do you mean by the friends you keep they would want to help their kids kind of evaluate the people that are around them from the following dimensions their occupation Mm -hmm. their integrity their family background and their personality so like they want to make sure that the kids that that people that their kid their kids are hanging out with are of good integrities like my parents my mom would sometimes see photos of me with my friends and she would just point out one person she's like what does he do? Or what does she do? <laughs> like, mm. just try to make sure like what there are. And then if I tell them something about uh the, you know, 
my friends of a younger generation that just do things differently, it's hard for them to understand. And they'll be like, oh, you got to be careful around them. I think there's a parallel in the United States because the United States is uh, made up of lots of different religions that are like infighting and they don't really like get along sometimes. Yeah. And so I think it's like, you know, a lot of p- families might want their children to choose friends from the same like religion, uh, religious background. And that creates some conflict a little bit about like what families can be integrated easily. Like if they, Oh, they're a Presbyterian and you're Baptist, this is going to create some problems, you know, mm-hmm. because like there's so much debate, let's say <laughs> between religions about like what's acceptable and what's not acceptable. But you know, like typically I don't think occupation, maybe I really don't think that is a huge influencer in American culture. It is here. Oh my God. At least for it's, it's, uh, I'm lucky that because of COVID or not just COVID because of the uprising of, the short video industry my mom is starting to understand more how people work for themselves and people freelance mm, mm, before mm. that oh my god in my parents idea i don't have a job i was like yes i do i'm working they're like but you don't have a job and then my other friends who are also freelancing my mom just like how how are they securing their income i was like well you don't have to worry about that for them but for her she's like you should surround yourself with people who have stable jobs and income and, and and find a real job well i have a question like let's take this to its extreme and like you know um i think there there are families that are dysfunctional in america to some extent because they have dis- severe disagreements but oftentimes it seems like the uh cultural stereotype about america would be like you know if you have a disagreement about something like who your friend is or something it's not going to break the family but like i'm curious it, what are the what is the like cultural uh consequence of someone not heeding their parents or grandparents advice about something like who's your friend or what career you take or things like that mostly nothing (laughs) so no so mostly it's just like i told you so exactly you're gonna have a lot of that and you just have to choose to ignore it but it's not gonna most of the cases is not gonna result in something that's you know that that can be even called the consequences i Mm -hmm. i do have one person i haven't checked up on him uh recently so you could call it advice yeah but let's say unsolicited uh a really intense advice you were saying your friend? My my friend actually got into a very bad situation with his parents because of his marriage. Um, I don't know. They used to be super close. I don't know if they fixed their relationship, but that's the only person I know that kind of had a really bad fallout with their parents mm. in my entire friend circle. Mm. So we don't like my mom, my parents and I have, we have fights. My mom recently just told me to lose weight and, and not do any stand up comedy anymore. Cause that's kind of wasting time. And it's <laughs> taking, taking time away from what I could do to, to lose weight. And take care of my health. So I was, I was very annoyed because she texted me when I was still at work and I was finishing this thing and Oh my God, I got the message. I got super annoyed. But then next day I was like, yeah, whatever. Well, you know, I, I think that's an interesting point for, me to bring up about Chinese culture is like when I got here, people were like, wow, you're overweight. And it's like, <laughs> you know, in America, people wouldn't say that. People would just like, oh, well, you know, okay, hi, maybe eat less <laughs> anymore, whatever. But, you know, and a lot of Americans might think that they're being insulted, but and I, 
after I got to know Chinese culture better, it's not like that. It's more like people just think that they're giving you advice that you need. Yeah. So they're like, well, obviously you haven't taken <laughs> care of this. So Jason, you may not have noticed, but you probably could do with less calories. You know, it's it's more of like people trying to be helpful. And also they smile when they say it. It's like, hey, Jason. Yeah, you're a little fat now. <laughs> it's like, oh. yeah, like we say that to each other after Chinese New Year. Like, oh, you you put on weight. <laughs> you put on a lot of weight. And then you start doing the losing weight uh, activities together. It's kind of, it's, it's, I don't, I don't, I personally don't like it when people point it out to me. Some friends do it in a more joking fashion. It's okay. But there, I don't know how to, how to, you know, define what's a good way of telling people they're overweight (laughs) or not. But my mom saying that to me always is always the most hurtful for me because she always says it as if it's a super, you know, it's like, so um like ominous that you have to you have to if you don't fix this daughter you're gonna be <laughs> having a lot more problems than what than what you think you do so it's it's just very hard but she also doesn't say she say she asks me to lose weight but she doesn't say you're fat mm-hmm. she says i'm not elegant enough mm-hmm. oh well th- see that's very refined way of putting it i i think you know that the differences between family structure and china don't seem so dramatic to me like because you're just saying you know this is just advice unsolicited how did you say aggressive advice aggressive yes unsolicited aggressive advice you know families in america they try to watch out for each other too to some extent and give each other advice my dad and mom always give me advice about kind of all kinds of things oftentimes i would listen to them and oftentimes you know i needed to do what suited me at different times in my life and it seems like based on what you're saying that you don't always do everything your mom wants you to so maybe (laughs) maybe families are not so dissimilar you know i know and this is why i'm gonna sound a little corny here and that i'm gonna say that this is why shows like ours should be you know there should be more of us because i i recently saw a video of american grandma saying because uh, the 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 daughter-in-law in that family is chinese and she's posting a lot of videos of their family life and the grandma the american grandma was saying to chinese audience she said i i heard i read a lot of comments of how a lot of chinese audience who don't know american families say that you know look how come American grandparents don't have to take care of their grandkids and Chinese grandparents have to take care of their grandkids? And the American grandma was like, that's now true. Mm, like mm. we take care of our yeah, grandkids yeah. as well. We come over three or four days a week. We do the same. So I, I just, I just hope that there's more shows like ours or what videos like the one that I just described that can tell each other how our lives really are. And then the more you see, the more you watch, the more you will realize what you just said, Jason, that it's really not that. Dissimilar. Well, you know, we're out of time. So I'm just going to add this really quickly. But you described my childhood perfectly because my parents chose to have four boys and then like me and my little brother a lot of weekends were shipped out to grandma's house because it was just (laughs) there were just too many of us in the house raising hell so it's like okay you two go to grandma's house did you did you rotate or was it always two the same two brothers it it was always me and my little brother but grandma was great and she read to us so i'm not complaining it was it was wonderful we are out of time thank you it's always a great pleasure to talk with you alex likewise jason always a pleasure too and we'll see everyone next time talk to you next time bye-bye 